Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, kid. Hey, love, what's the story? Story, kid. Tell me this and tell me no more. Oh, stop waiting, I tell you. Jesus, I have a head on me like a robber's dog. And Sure, Lucas. Isn't that it? You're legends. Tis your man himself. Hello, how are you guys? How are you doing? Happy bank holiday weekend. If you're in Ireland, I'm not really sure if it's one in the UK or anywhere else, but it is in Ireland. We're having a three day weekend. Most of us, obviously, people have to work. Some people have to work. I have a three day weekend. Oh my God. What am I going to do with myself? I am going to see my nephew. I'm going to see some pals. I'm just so happy to have three days of no work, lads. The absolute joy. So my apologies to everyone who has to work and currently hates me. Apologies, apologies. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Uh, Today I am bringing you a Irish singing legend, the wonderful singer that is Mundy, uh, Edmund Enright, if you don't know his full name, um, known as Mundy. And of course, he is well known for his music. And look, if you are from Ireland and you don't know the songs July or Galway Girl, like what is going on? And if you say, if I say Galway Girl and you say Ed Sheeran, that is sacrilegious. That is blasphemy. I can't, I can't know. It's a great song that Ed has, but we all know the real Galway Girl is the one by Mundy and Sharon Shannon. So I have actually never interviewed Mundy before. This is my first ever time and we had great crack. He even sang a little bit of music for me and I got to hear all about the origins of Gobba Girl and uh, July and 24 Star Hotel, the album that they came off, how the songs came about, how they were rejected by people beforehand, um, which you might think, how are these classics that are you know, known by all of us, you know, every single word of them, how were they not instant hits to the executives and to radio stations? Apparently not, though. And we'll also talk about the Ed Sheeran. So, of course, what does he think about that? We also um, chat a bit about Mark Sheehan, who tragically passed away a couple of weeks ago from the script. So he had, Monday had been playing with them uh, in Dubai recently. And so we asked about that. Uh, lots to cover, lots and lots to cover in this episode. I really appreciate you being here and I really hope you enjoy it. So this is Tis Yourself with Monday. How are you? Hi, how are you? How are you? Uh, not too bad, not too bad, thanks. Yeah, you're um, headlining McCroom, the new festival. Yeah, I was looking at, uh, I was kind of looking at the history of it and all that. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm headlining it, but I'm on the bill. <laughs> well, you're at the top of the bill, so usually okay. that means. <laughs> Jeez, I would have thought the Frank and Walters would have been up there. Yeah, they're there with you, but um, you're just like right there. They're there, yeah, we're all, I think I think it's a co-headline. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Well, um, I yeah, wanted yeah. to chat to you about because you have a great career, but I just want to, I'll kick things off, I suppose, back at the start. Uh, a lot of people know they want to be musicians when they're younger, but I suppose 
a lot of people think that and they never make it. Mm. Did you want to be a singer when you were little or what was the crack? So my first passion was swimming, believe it or not. Mm. And then I got into horses. <laughs> and then when I was about 14, this this priest arrived to our school and he brought a drum kit and bass guitar and uh, electric guitar and amplifiers. And he's just, uh, he changed. There was a lot of sport. Hurling was a massive thing in, in Burr, where I'm from. And um, he just got a few of the older kids uh, to start playing music at the at the masses and stuff. Mm. So uh, me and a couple of my friends had guitars and stuff. And we we're like, we want to do that. We've got guitars at home. And we started kind of uh, practicing together and learning a few chords and all that. And um, I kind of got good at it fairly quickly. But to be honest, there wasn't that many people doing it either, playing music, mm. uh, playing guitars. And um, I suppose... I kind of it was nice. I was getting a good reception from it, and I just stuck with it. And because uh, you know, when you're when you're in your teens, you're always chasing to find something that's going to suit you. And you know, hurling was you know to, to be a star hurler back then. There was a lot of people doing it, you know. Mm. And I knew I was good, but I wasn't good enough to ever be a county hurler, which would have been the the big the big thing, you know. So I, I don't know music, and I grew up in a pub as well, so I, I always noticed with with music that. A good song could change the atmosphere of of a, a room very quickly, you know. Yeah. Um, and I remember one one evening out at the the horse equestrian centre that I used to kind of work in. I was only a kid. I was a skivvy, but uh, somebody sang the boxer by Simon and Garfunkel, and the whole place just went bananas. And I went right, okay, that's a trick I got to learn. And uh, and I suppose that's where where it all started from, really. You know. Wow. That's like, that's so cool because you're right. Music does really kind of, you know, bring you yeah. together or stop you in your tracks. Yeah. Like, you could, like so you, I could be in the pub, right, all day doing the shelves, putting the bottles into their cases and all that. A couple of people just sitting there doing whatever, reading their book or talking. And then a couple of mad people might arrive in, doesn't matter what age they are. And they might just start singing. And next minute the pub is packed. And it's just like, you know, the atmosphere... You know, it's a joyous thing, and uh, and I think anything I suppose that brings joy is uh, very attractive to me. You know, so so that was it. And I had like I had cousins as well that were mad into music in Longford, and I, I used to they used to all you know play accordions, tin whistles, couple of them played the guitar, and they'd just get uh, lost to go up to the room and to be lost for like hours. And I was, going, how are they? You know, because you grown up in the eighties and stuff it was very boring, <laughs> and when somebody could go away to a room and just get lost in something is kind of like, you know, there's no video games or whatever. Well, there probably was, but not, you know, there was like a very simple Atari kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so all of that made me want to kind of figure it out, figure it out and learn, you know. What was it like growing up um, in a pub? Like you were, was it your parents owned it? Yeah. So um, my dad grew up in a pub in a village outside Burr called Shinron. And, uh, and then he moved into Burr in the sixties and, him and my mum got married and they opened up a pub and um, it was very social. There was people around all the time. The doors were always opening and closing, opening and closing. There was just noise all the time. You could wake up with some stranger in the bed beside you as a kid that might have stayed up late with my dad, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was just a, it was a very social place and you had to kind of um, figure out where you fitted and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was a bit chaotic, to be honest. Late I, nights. Yeah, I imagine that. I was just gonna say, imagine very late nights, not really a structure when you're like going to school the no, next day and stuff. That's the thing. I think that I think I'm still suffering from the lack of structure. You know, it's 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 a mad life. And 
only people who grew up in the pub would probably understand it or get it, you know. There's no real routine. You just you're on when you're on and you're off when you're off, you know, and you just kind of catch you catch your breath in between the moments, you know. So but it's good, you know. I think I think growing up in the pub as well also probably influenced probably the way I write songs as well, because you'd hear crazy phrases off of people, you know, like wacky Irishisms and whatnot. And, Almost backward sentences, you know what I mean. The way the way we do, the way we speak English best is kind of inside out in a way, isn't it? Yeah, like the way you say "I will," yeah, when you mean no. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't take a right, right. But there's, yeah, there's all you know. So yeah, so that kind of for me, I, I love earwigging and eavesdropping and hearing people. I just love it. There's a, there's a great language that goes on inside it. A public house, as they call it. I used to work in a pub and I loved it. It was a job yeah. that I always said, if I, you know, get made redundant ever, I'll go yeah. work in a pub for a while. Because I loved the crack of, like, you know, the first people who are, like, in and it's really quiet and it's just a couple of lads having a Guinness or whatever and they're all yeah. with paper. And then yeah. later on, you've got, like, the, the girls coming in, the gangs of people coming in and, you yeah. know, the bustle that suddenly it's gotten really loud. But I loved it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's, and it's amazing. You, you So you, you can see how... So the room is empty, say, at 12 o'clock in the day. Then the lads come in hyper from Saturday night and it's a Sunday morning and they're like, whoa, you know, the banter. And then then they get the cure into them. About three o'clock, they're all mellowed out and they're like, you know, and then a new batch of people comes in around five for a match or something. But there's a whole uh, different sections to the day, you know, so it's kind of layered. And then maybe around nine or 10 o'clock, they all come together and lash out a few tunes. And then if the bar, the bar man or woman is in the right form sure they'll stay open for a little bit longer and they'll get involved themselves you know and then could be there till the next day oh yeah I don't, I don't know how many times I've been in a pub where you know there's maybe not a band on there's no band playing and then somebody yeah. has a guitar and next thing you know it's a lock-in and yeah. it's three in the morning and you're singing Christy Moore and it's just epic I heard a good story about um, Barney McKenna from the Dubliners saying I think there was a funeral or something and they went for a few pints in O'Donoghue's and Baggett Street, I don't know, there's all these stories, whether they're true or not, <laughs> doesn't matter. But uh, they went in and played music after the funeral all afternoon, all night, stayed going all night. And they left at about 11 in the morning or something. And he goes, geez, there's some stretch in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That sounds about right, though, from what yeah, I yeah. the Dubliners, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, grand stretch in the evening there. <laughs> I'm always intrigued by musicians because it's like, as I said, you know, it's a dream that a lot of people have, but they just don't follow through. They end up in like going to work in a bank or, you know, yeah. business or whatever. And while they might play music like in the pub with their mates or like a house party or something, they don't. Because it's not exactly a very easy job to get into. It's a little bit, I suppose it's probably easier now to get your music like on Spotify. But then again, there's more people doing that then as well. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, it would be harder to make actual money out of it nowadays. Mm. Uh, there's a lot more work in it now. I mean, you have to have a lot of time in your hands to kind of um, shake your arms and, you know, make a fuss about yourself and almost it's, a, it's quite narcissistic in a way. You know what I mean? Like you have to. And even if you don't want to be, you have to be, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, and even if you're not narcissistic, you just have to get into it, you know. But uh, and I, I, I still I just don't have time. Like the goalposts have changed all the way, you know. So I got my first album came out when I was 21, which is a good, good long time ago now. Um, Ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. So I became a dad for the first time 14 years ago. That's kind of when, what was that thing called uh, before Facebook? There was a, 
My, MySpace. Actually. Oh, MySpace. Sorry. Yeah. Even all that kind of stuff. Right. And you had to go on. Oh, here I am. Photographs. And you put your best foot forward all the time. And um, it just keeps changing. And now TikTok is the big thing and all that. And um, I just in the last 14 years, I haven't had a chance to come to grasps with all that stuff. And uh, it's 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 time consuming, to be honest. Mm. And it's nothing to do with songwriting. It's nothing to do with the quality of music. It's nothing to do with anything like that. It's about how how odd you can throw a, a twist on your day, I suppose. Music, a, a song could be, a clip could be viral on TikTok and you know, everyone's doing a dance to it. I, like there was a song that was recently, I don't really use it that often, and but my sisters are obsessed with it. And mm. there was a song that kept being on and they sang this like chorus all the time and it was catchy for a video. And then I went on yeah. and listened to the whole song and I was like, this is a terrible song. Right, 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 right. So bad. But no so they use the best part of it kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. only a clip that works for a video. So like three or four lines on repeat, perfect. But then when you actually listen to it, I was like, does anyone actually, it wasn't even in the Spotify charts, I don't think, because no one was yeah, yeah. the whole thing. So that's, yeah, it's really annoying with the self-promotion side. I always talk about it, but it's the same with a podcast. It's so annoying. Well, what's interesting is, so I have two kids, one's 14, one's 12. Belle is 12 and she's into her music. Well, both of them are into their music, but she's in, she just, um, she finds stuff on TikTok, like, there's a guy called Jerry Rafferty who had that song Baker Street. Do you remember that song from years ago? Yeah. She's listening to one of his songs that after becoming viral on TikTok. And like she's listening to there's like there's just stuff that like is coming up out of the 70s and the 80s. Like the Pixies are having a whole research with one of their songs. Um the cure, all that. I mean, it's 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 wild. It's good that it's getting through to these younger kids because it's timeless music, you know. But uh it's a, uh, yeah, the, the record labels are obviously onto it and figuring out how to do it. Yeah, but it is I'm going to do that for me. Yeah, it's it's the way it is, is though you have to write songs and be a dad and tour and release yeah. music. And then you're like, where in that schedule do I have time to make a video? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's wild. And then you're going, Jesus, what, is the background okay? And you're moving <laughs> around like, and then it... it, it Oh, listen, there's a, there's a hedge over there. I did a lot of stuff over during lock, lockdown with a green hedge behind me because <laughs> the house wasn't quite presentable, uh, you know. But um, it's funny. Things change all the time. Yeah, because like back when you started making music, it was literally probably like you put a poster up, you do a gig, people yeah. come for a gig, listen to your music or buy your music then, buy your CDs or whatever. Yeah, well, so, I, so basically you're kind of saying, how do you get to the place where you're actually earning off of music without having to go get a job like so when I was about 18 I moved to Dublin 17, 18 started busking went to the rock school in Ballyfermot for a while was going out with a girl for over three years we broke up and I was heartbroken I wrote a couple of love songs and uh, all of a sudden like I used to I was going to this place called the International Bar in town oh yeah everybody and anybody was going there like Glenn Hansard Gemma Hayes Nina Hines Paddy Casey, Damien Rice, all these heads. Uh, Christy Moore used to pop in, Luca Bloom. And um, I was going grand. But then when I wrote these couple of songs, it was a game changer because they came from obviously a, a broken place, but a romantic and probably poetic place. And uh, all of a sudden I got a record deal or got, there was interest. It didn't happen straight away, but it happened in, over a couple of months. Yeah. I had a manager, I had a lawyer, I had an agent. I was on the road with Alanis Morissette. It was like, all this stuff happened, but um, there was no TV show. There was no judges. The only judges that 
were there were the people in the record labels. Like I used to bring, I used to go into with a guitar into a boardroom mm-hmm. and lash out three or four songs and they would talk to my manager whether they thought I was um, good or not and whatever. And it was mostly positive stuff. Um, towards a few, to go on to a TV show that's broadcast to millions of people or thousands of people and be judged by some asshole you, you'd probably give up after that. If you're told that you're not good enough, you'd probably go, do you know what? I'm, not, I'm going to just go, go to the office now. So I think I was very lucky to have avoided all that um, because if I was told that I wasn't good enough, I definitely would have parked it. You know what I mean? No, and um, I think so. Yeah, I think it's very important to say that. And, um, you know, I, I, seen ter- I see terrible things. Ha- I see wonderful things, but I see terrible things happening on those shows. And... Um, it's nothing to do with the, you know, Bob Dylan probably wouldn't have got through on any of those shows. Tom Waits or Shane McGowan. Can you imagine? You know. <laughs> I would love to see Shane McGowan try and go on the X Factor. It would have been. Well, who knows? You know, or maybe, maybe, maybe one of the judges might be um, wise enough to go. This is authentic and you know original. Let's go for it. But uh, so twenty one, and then I was went on the road, and then I lasted with the record for about five years, something like that, and then. Uh, in the year 2000, I was made redundant along with a lot of other other bands. It was like 70 bands dropped from the same label just because the accountancy, the, you know, the figures weren't adding up on on, on that end. Um, but I took it personal, of course. And then I put out my first album on my own, which was uh, 24 Star Hotel. So I had already put out Jelly Legs and, and I had this, the Romeo and Juliet song was on that one. And then... Um, I independently put out 24 Star Hotel, which is 21 years old this year. And uh, July just lifted off. And it didn't. I sent that song to the radio and the radio wouldn't play it. You're joking. Yeah. And then I got a slot. I begged uh, Dennis Desmond from MCD to put me on a slot at at Witness in 2001, I think it was. And uh, the crowd went bananas for July. And then the year after, I got a bigger slot. And then the crowd went bananas. And then it... Every year I got a slot at that festival and the song just became viral. And then the radio had to play it. Yeah. You know, That's because by request, you know. So it's it's funny. You just don't know what way it's going to happen, you know. Yeah. And I see that even now for Irish music. Uh, people who make Irish musicians. It's very hard to get your song on the radio. And I've heard that from a lot of different. I used to work in radio and you'd get yeah. like really big Irish artists who'd be like, will you, like the agent, the record company, like, will you play the song on yeah. radio? Because they have Ed Sheeran, all amazing acts, like you, international, Billy Eilish, all these people, and they're playing all them. And then you might get maybe Derma Kennedy might mm. be the only one that you're seeing. And like, I know yeah, yeah. Been on surveys recently. Gavin James maybe. And yeah, maybe Gavin, yeah. but like usually only Kanye on the Dublin stations. That I yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're kind of thinking, Jesus, there's so much, our country is known for being a musician. It's so Yeah, hard. yeah. Uh, there's definitely a problem with, um, the percentage of acts that are being played or Irish acts, if you know what I mean, homegrown music. It's a problem, you know, and um, the amount of work that goes into making a song, like I just put out a song there recently and uh, I think it's an amazing song. I think, you know, if, 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 if the radio had its way, they'd want it to be very short and concise and get to the chorus, just actually just gives the chorus and, and, yeah. and go Go away and leave us alone. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, um, you know, and also there's a whole problem in the world with um, people's attention uh, span. People just scroll now. And, they, and they, that's why the TikTok thing is so um, uh, big is because people only have 30 seconds yeah. at, at the most. 
to look and watch or listen to something, you know. And sure, the whole I think the whole world is suffering from attention disorders, you know. You know, it's because it's too much there to to figure out, too much there to watch, too much choice. Yeah, people shouldn't be given so much choice. You know, I hate having too much choice. And I go to a restaurant and there's too many options. I'm like, no, just give oh, me yeah. two. Give us a special. I'll have the special, please, <laughs> and soup. <laughs> soup, obviously. Yeah, yeah. We are Irish. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's mad that July, considering how massive that song is now, like, still to this day, how big July is. And, like, I'm guessing there's no chance you can ever go and play a gig and that doesn't play, even if it's not July. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. July, I'd say July was kind of my second hit. The first one was, say, uh, To I Bestow. And I remember going, oh my God, like, people actually want, are mad for this song. And, I actually thought it was an unfinished song. I thought the chorus was too um, simple. I didn't think it was uh, arty enough and creative enough, but that's what people went for. Um, and it's still rocking away there. It's still just, it was voted on, um, someone sent me a link to irishcentral.com, which is an American website. Mm. It was voted number eight, best Irish songs. No way. I don't know, ever or at the moment or whenever. But it's just, it's weird. And that and just goes to show you that just because it doesn't get picked up instantly doesn't mean it's not good enough, you know. And yeah. same with Galway Girl, actually. Galway Girl, um, Galway Girl. So I made a live album in Vicker Street and we were trying to sell the album because it was a DVD and, and you know, mm. things were going really well at the time. And uh, we were told basically... Radio will never play a live song or something with an audience in the background mm. because they want it to be clean and they want it to, you know. Um, lo and behold, people, it just went viral on its own. And then it was playlisted after that. It was playlisted probably a year and a half after it came out <laughs> because people just liked it. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, people have to say, you know. Yeah. And the people in the in the fancy chairs don't really, they're just, you know, winging it really. They're doing what they think is right. And that's all you can do in that situation too, you know. Well, isn't that amazing? It's kind of like what we said about X Factor and now it went radio as well. Both those mm. times, if you you feel like if you were in those situations where you release a song and it doesn't get played or you go on a TV show and you don't get picked, you yeah. quite easily could hang up the guitar and be like, I'm oh, good enough. I'm, you know, I've been rejected. Oh, well, well, especially public, the shame, to be shamed in public is like, I mean, I think you'd be almost stupid to go on some of those shows, you know what I mean? Because, like, I saw a pair of twins on, on X Factor years ago. Uh, was it X Factor or Someone's Got Talent or whatever it was? Mm-hmm. And they got, got this picked one, they picked one of them, two girls, two sisters, twins. They picked one of them, said the other one, actually, don't know if, you, if you've got what it takes. I was like, can you imagine the vibe in that family for the rest of, yeah. you know, like there's a lot of healing to go with that, you know? Yeah. And like, what do you do if you're the one who gets picked and then you go home for dinner? You're like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Some Christmas dinner. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Separate yeah. ends of the table. Yeah, yeah. Shocking. But, you know, then I love I love what's happened to Niall Horan and Harry Styles and stuff. I think they've done, you know, and I think they're great musicians and all that and fair play, you know. But then there's some of the people who get Huge success, and then, then they just dwindle off, and the labels leave them, and then if they kind of just go around and um, fend for themselves, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, it's it's tough to watch. I'm very, I suppose I'm very, I, I have the feels for 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 people like that, you know what I mean? Because I know what it feels like to be kind of uh, 
you know, to have everything kind of one minute and then to not have it the next minute. So it's it's kind of a it's hard to watch, you know. Yeah, I interviewed um Matt Cardle who won X Factor. I can't remember what year, but what was it then? Matt Cardle. Yeah, I know an English guy, is he? Yeah, English guy. Yeah. yeah. He was, he's so nice but I was chatting to him about basically he won and obviously what, he was won the year One Direction were in it and yeah. because One Direction were instantly big mm. the record company put all their money into them and didn't promote him and then a couple of years later he gets dropped he's doing like small gigs he has to fend for himself and he was yeah, saying yeah. How, like rapidly his mental health went and he got a, he was went into addiction because he'd gone from being like a nobody to yeah. a huge megastar to being dropped within a couple of years and nobody, yeah, yeah. And, and nobody well, the biggest thing that happens social, socially as well is people go they think they're being nice to you but they're going you should have been so much bigger you know and you're like going actually I'm having a pint here and <laughs> don't really want to talk about this right now you know or uh, or where did it go wrong for you you know you're going you, it, really where did it go wrong for you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. let's talk about you for a second mister yeah yeah <laughs> Let's do a switcheroo. Yeah, let's yeah. look at your life choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, a tough thing. You can see it with lots of musicians, and that's why things like addiction and mental health. You can see it in people and why they leave the industry. Yeah, I know it's it's it's, it's a funny one. I like even so when I was say 20, 19, 19, I got my publishing deal. Twenty, the record deal happened, and my dad was back in the pub going. What you've a publishing deal and a record deal with who? Who's and who's managing you? And who's the lawyer? A lawyer and there's an advance of money, and like money presents itself in a amazing way, but also it's a loan at the end of the day from the bank, and you have to make sure that they get it back plus everything that they're hoping for. And um, then you have your father doubting the people that are giving you this opportunity. And then you're sandwiched in the middle going with paranoia going, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? And um, it, it's, it's a strange one, you know, because a, a parent just wants to do, like if it, same thing, if, if one of my kids was offered a record deal in the morning and I had to um, give them advice, they'd probably tell me to F off. Uh, but I'd probably be suspicious in the right way but then you, you don't want to get in the way either there's a lot you know but the big thing is the head the mental health and you see so many people falling off the cliff you know um, even when they're like even when they've had massive success mm. it's still not seen as enough you know what I mean you look at Kurt Cobain and people like that and they just want to get out of there you know yeah because you can't you're chasing the next high or you have a dip where let's say you know let's say you headline McCroom, you know, or electric yeah, picnic yeah. or whatever. And then the following year, you're not on the bill and you're like, why haven't they even asked me? Yeah, yeah. You know, that and, and it's all, also, I'd say a lot of artists foresee that this massive uh, wave can't stay up that high all the time. And, you know, if you read biographies and all that, I mean, there's, all, there's always a dip and a low after the high, you know, and um, some people just are not cut out for it, really. Mm. And I kind of, to be honest, there's a level I love of success and, you know, sometimes you, you always want more, want more, but, but to be mega, mega, I don't know. I couldn't cope with that stuff at all because the freedom, the freedom to walk down the street and uh, drink a can of beer at the bus stop or whatever <laughs> you want to do. Just as an example, I did a bit of that during lockdown. Um, By the hedge. <laughs> just, just, yeah, Whatever. 
But like, that's that's a great freedom, you know. And you, you know, there's people who have to live in a little igloo, going around the place, hiding from. I think that's an awful life, you know. No matter how much money you have, it's terrible. I, I think. Yeah. Oh no, I completely agree. I. People, you know, whenever you're having friends conversations, oh, would you like to be famous? I think, God, no, because I'm on this periphery where I get to meet, you know, famous people and talk to them. And I just see like, yeah, there's great, there's great things to go with it. But as you said, the thoughts of not being able to go to like Tesco, let's say, and have me hoodie on. No one's looking at me. I can buy a box of Corona or it can be buying like. 20 bars of chocolate and no one's taking my picture. Like, oh, I knew you were, I saw you then on Chocolate Island Tesco one time. <laughs> You're like, that's how I recognise you. <laughs> but you know, what's, I'm talking about Tesco. Um, I was in the cheese section in <laughs> in Tesco, uh, spacing out, going, oh, well, Emmental, cheddar, mature cheddar, what strength is it? Kilmeaden, Dubliner, whatever, Charleville, <laughs> whatever. Anyway, I was sitting there and this guy, not sitting there, standing there and this Guy from Kerry came up to me. He goes, uh, "Are you Monday?" And I was like, "Yeah, I am." How's it going? And he goes, uh, "I love your song Lynchpin." Now, and that Lynchpin is a song that's not a single or anything like that, but it's one of my crowd. You know, the the people who like my music love this song in particular because it's a very, I suppose it's a deep, uh, sincere song about depression and whatnot and suicide, possibly, and. um he said, but you know what? He said, that song, I wouldn't have known about that song if it wasn't for July. And and he said, July is a good song, he said, but Lynchpin's is superior. And this is all in the, in the cheese section in Tesco. <laughs> and uh, it was just a lovely thing to hear. He said that July brought him into the deeper end of the music, you know. And uh, so that's why I go to Tesco a lot and I'm always in the cheese section. <laughs> oh, and you're Wait, waiting for compliments. Yeah. <laughs> it's on my website. If you want to give Monday a compliment, meet him. Uh, he's up there at five o'clock every Tuesday. <laughs> In the cheese section. Yeah, yeah. So Lynchpin is a song about depression then. So is, yeah. that, is that something that you're like, was around you? Like, where did that come from? Because I suppose it's very deep and to try and... Yeah, uh, very, very person, very close to me, suffering and, you know, like early or late teens, probably with depression and you're not known... You know, nobody talk, talked about this 25, 27 more years ago. We were just taught, you know, you just kind of, you see, you're, you're, you know, you're in second year, or sorry, you're in secondary school, fifth year, sixth year, and all of a sudden, one of the gang just goes really quiet or something like that, and you go, what the fuck's after happening there? Mm. And then next minute, you know, they're, paired, they're not answering the door and they're not showing up to football practice or whatever it is, or going to the disco or whatever. And um, so... I noticed it with a good few people actually growing up, um, but I never knew what the label was. And there's all levels of it. There's like schizophrenia, manic depression, there's just uh, suicidal tendencies, or whatever it all is. And uh, um, so there was also a person that I knew growing up that um, that died young, that I was told that it was uh, an accident. You know, it was dressed up very well by the adults. Yeah. As years passed, I realized that it wasn't that. It was actually just took a person took his own life, you know. And so in Lynchpin, I kind of, um, the chorus is, you got to let me in to pull the roots, uh, to find the truth and pull the Lynchpin. So you're kind of, you got to let everything out. You kind of actually almost have to explode mm. to get better. You know what I mean? But if you yeah. keep it in, it's going to just uh, create rot, I suppose. 
and that's kind of what the song is. And uh, I um, I talk about there's a, a character called a sparkle robber. I just it came into my head, someone who just steals your sparkle and your your zest. And uh, I don't know, just, uh, it's kind of va- it's a it's a vague enough song, but people went for it, you know. Yeah, and isn't that lovely that as you said that guy came for July and then. Re- that song he, le- he left with linchpin <laughs> <laughs> he went into buy in July and he walked out with a bag of linchpins <laughs> but like it's not lovely that somewhere <clears throat> somebody might be watching you who's in a in a situation in their mind and you know not feeling the best and might be there to you know, try and perk themselves up because they love yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever and then that song speaks to them that's where like the best thing about music is like you hear yeah well that's there you go that's kind of the um that's the that's the beauty really about an album as well. It, it, you know, if you've got the time to listen to a record, like there's a reason why people put tw- 10, 12 songs on an album. It's because it's like a little book and you got to sift through it and oh, and something will hit you. You know, every song will strike a different nerve, hopefully. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have a song called Gin and Tonic Sky as well, which is another one of those ones that people go, play Gin and Tonic Sky. And it could be, like it's funny, at the end of a, a gig I'll have done... July, Galway Girl, Mexico, and everyone's popping away. <laughs> then people go, Gin Tonic Sky, and it's a real bummer. It's not a bummer of a song, but it's a it's a downbeat love song, but it gets really intense and heavy on the guitars. Um, and you kind of go, Jesus, yeah, let's leave on a more of a <laughs> frustration. Let's have no. leave as we're all crying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's leave with, with tears rolling down our cheeks, yeah. What is your favourite one to play? Um, well, my new song that I have out, it's called Underneath Vesuvius. Mm. And um, I love playing that because it's um, it's kind of like my early stuff. It's, it's quite a cinematic song. The lyrics are very picturesque and panoramic. And it's about, um, it's about going, it's, it's, it's kind of set in Sorrento in, in Italy. I like it. And there's a really good guitar solo in it and uh, it, it builds, you know, it's, uh, it starts off slow and it ends up really powerful. But um, ah, listen, there's loads of songs. I have another song called Healthy People Love as well. It's a kind of a, inspired by Leonard Cohn, maybe. Mm. Uh, quite lyrical love song, a little bit raunchy, maybe. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it is. That's uh, people saying, oh, wow, where did you come up with that one? But uh, <laughs> Yeah, so and it's funny as well with songs because you'll start off with one line and then you have to find rhymes. You don't have to, but it kind of makes sense sometimes. And if a rhyme, a word might match and it'll just change the story completely, but you just go with it. And all of a sudden you're down this dark alley with... uh, where the story has changed and you're going, Jesus, how did I end up here? But you just, you, you know, you run with it and that's the kind of freedom that... um that words gives you and, and poetry and lyrics, you know, you just, uh, you have to feel free and run with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love it. If you're brave enough to do that, you know? Yeah. Only now being a dad and all, I have to be very careful what I say <laughs> in songs, which is, um, that's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get raunchy anymore. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. You have to be kind of like, whoa, uh, private time, you know, <laughs> <laughs> What do the what do your kids think of like when you're like oh I'm like you know let's say you're going to headline this festival or you know you're yeah. going to you're playing EP or you're playing something like it's like well, one oh. of my kids said um you know dad you know uh, <laughs> they were saying that you know they've had a few play dates and some of the kids would have 
knowing that I do Galway Girl or whatever, and uh, to be disappointed when they come to the house going, Jesus, we thought, you know, you live in a palace. <laughs> see, if people, when people see you on television a couple of times, they think that immediately that you're getting paid for it and you're loaded. But uh, anyway, I like where we, where we live anyway. But uh, it's funny, people have a perception of what you're worth and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're like, I don't live in Dalkey up beside Bono. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> exactly, goals. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's just like it must be really strange for them when you're like off and being on stage and stuff and then you come home and you're like okay who, who I'm dropping the kids to school today and they're just you're just like but isn't that yeah. lovely to have that as well because I suppose when we were talking about if you could have been super famous and you're saying how you don't want that like you wouldn't be able to do those things drop the kids to school or well I mean I, I'm actually reading Bono's book at the moment um, and uh, yeah he, he he said something about when he's around, he's always he's around a lot. When he's not around, he's not around. Uh, well, yeah, every every parent has to bring their kids to school. I'm sure he had to do all that as well. Which is, you know, you can't. Um, there's a reality to unless you don't want to do that and you get somebody to drop the kids up to school for you, or whatever. But you're 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 really missing out on a a very important part of of life, you know. And you get to correct. I mean, no matter who you are, anyway, whether you're famous or not, or whether you're known or not um, as a parent one of the great things is you get to correct some of the things that weren't so correct growing up you know my my, my dad was an amazing guy he still is thank God but um, you know there's certain things he didn't want to get, get as a dog and stuff like that and so I'm like I'm getting a dog but there's certain things that he wouldn't do that I'd do you know there's just, yeah. and you know and, and everybody has their own um, I suppose everybody's unique and uh I think you get to correct little things as you get, you know, as you, you know, when when it when it becomes your responsibility, mm-hmm. and then also you end up doing the exact same things your parents did, <laughs> and you end up shouting and roaring when you're not meant to. And I'm learning all about that at the moment, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, you've I'm got learning, a teenager. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm learning the very important lesson I learned recently is um, there's two zones, right? There's the green zone and the red zone, and the red zone is you just cannot um, talk to anybody when they're when you're in the red or they're in the red, you can't make any uh, agreements or anything like that. So you just walk away. But that you remember that it always comes back to the green. And then you can say, listen, let's try and sort this out. And so it's very um, something I wish I learned about seven or eight years ago. But, you know, it's not even down to taking a mobile phone off a kid. If they're saying, you can't have my phone, you just have to walk away and then come back when they're, Tra la la, nothing happened. You're making a salad sandwich and you go, give us your phone. And, uh, you know, anyway, that's an aside. Yeah, I'm, I can't imagine. I would I would hate to try and take a ch- uh, phone off a child these days because it's like glued to their hands. Yeah, it's serious stuff. I mean, it's become a real uh, addiction, you know. Mm. It's mad. And I feel blessed that I have the kids to distract me from scrolling through my phone, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, I I love I'm a, I'm a devil for doing the crossword every day, and uh, I just love switching off the phone and just pen and paper, and a pint of Guinness and just drifting off and uh, having my own time without the world. You know, like I can't watch Netflix for I can, I don't even know I watched the same thing on Netflix for the last probably six years and that's Seinfeld. That's all I watch. <laughs> That's like me and New Girl. I just watch yeah, that yeah. all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I sometimes I'll go to bed and I'll just turn the screen off and I just let let the audio just play. 
And it's weird because I tried to I tried to watch with, with Belle. I tried to watch a movie with her, and I mean, there's a thousand movies at least. Mm. And you're going, and yeah, no, yeah, no, I don't want, yeah, I've seen that before. No, and so we're there for at least a half an hour. Yeah. And we started fighting. And then I said, you know what? There was a video shop in our town when I grew up. And if you went down on a Thursday or a Friday, there was only about three videos left in the comedy section, mm-hmm. three in the trailer, two in the whatever. And you went, okay, I'll just try this one out. And you just yeah. go and watched it. And that was it. Yeah. And now and it's like, trying to get two people to agree on the same movie is like yeah, yeah, yeah. more time trying to pick the film that by the time you watch it, you're like, oh, I can't be cursed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. But that's the crack with that one. Oh, so that's this is like thing. your studio, basically. It's grand. It's nice. It's little, it's, it's, it was an old granny flat or something. Mm. Else. I, um, when we, when we bought the house, I, uh, this is what I needed because I, I've just so many guitars and crap and bags and pedals and God knows what. So, some lads don't have this, which is good, you know. Yeah, I spent I, most of lockdown. I was just going to say, you would have probably loved it in lockdown where you were able to leave and just like leave the house technically to go to work, but it's just in the garden, but still. Yeah, well, like, nice. Every Sunday night, I did a I did a um, Facebook gig every Sunday night for 52, gig, 52 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh, it, was, it was actually really nice. I'd, a few cans of Guinness, talk to people and um, uh, just, just, it was like a social kind of, it was like a little community every Sunday night, nine o'clock, I used to come out and kept me sane, I have to say. Yeah, I was just going to say, isn't it mad how we did that? Like, you know, yeah. I tuned into so many gigs and watched them and you're like, it's mad, like now that life is reopened, you're kind of like, can't believe that was a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, like when I started gigging after lockdown, I'd say in the first six months, there was people come to my gigs going, I never knew your music friend of mine was tuning into your gigs and then we all started doing it every Sunday mm. and she said it was such a great thing to look forward to and they so they start coming to the real gigs then you know oh, and it's a cool. cool thing you know it's funny it's a it was a weird time I, I hope it never happens again I know but sometimes I'm like I'd like a mini one just for two weeks so I don't spend yeah well no there, there, there is a, I have a friend down in Ranelagh and uh, he's geez, we had some good times during lockdown which we did you know yeah and uh, simple, you know, we just listen to the radio and have a few beers and talk. And sometimes uh, we just have a few more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it was amazing. I, like my, I remember I one night I went down to my friend's house, drove down and I had the guitar in the booth. And it was him and his wife and a few of their older friends. And they a lot of people hadn't been in the same room together you know like because they're all afraid and uh, he says would you get the guitar would you so I brought in the guitar and there was a couple of people there who usually would go home um, when their wives would say we're going home and, yeah. and say yes yes Sheila or whoever <laughs> <laughs> or Mary I don't know and uh, and then on this particular night like two of them were like not going home staying for the music <laughs> and uh because music became a very precious thing, I think. The arts actually became a very precious thing around lockdown. Yeah, we realised how much we rely on new content, like things like TV shows and stuff like that. And then, of course, gigs, like going to gigs, <laughs> whether it's, you know, Marley Park or Whelan's or Grand Social yeah. or whatever. We used, we realised, like, I remember when 
gigs started reopening, I had three in a week that had been postponed. And yeah. I realized how much like I love going to them. Because yeah. they're, they're a night out, they're an event like to go. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Them. I know it's it's wild. And I, and then I, I did a lot of gigs just into the camera, where it's like <laughs> kind of like putting on this fucking silly face, you know. <laughs> and you're going, Yeah, come on. And uh it was just a camera guy going, Jesus, you're getting a bit. And like I did, I did a gig in Whelan's It was a, a broadcast. There was only five or six people there filming it and doing lights and whatever, but there was no audience. And the lads were clapping after, because they were enjoying it, right? And yeah. the, but on the video, they left on all the claps. And it was like as if I was playing to six people, which I was only playing to six yeah. people. And you're and like, like wow. You just cut out, cut out the fucking claps. It just sounds... It's making it. It's making it more uh, bleak. Yeah. You're like, you know? just have no claps. It, that, that or add in just you know, like or you know the sample. Yeah. You know, on the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it actually is more effective. Yeah, because wasn't there like rugby matches and soccer matches and whatnot yeah. matches where there was only a few people in the stands, and like the, the athletes were just like, oh, what? you know, they mm. weren't playing to their best ability because they weren't getting spurred on the way they and I think they were overdubbing in some cases some applause just to yeah they did on well, I was at the rugby or, or maybe it's the football I remember Ireland were playing anyway and they had like they scored and next thing was like woo and you look at the crowd there's just pictures of people there was no one there just pictures yeah, yeah. and they had a crowd surge and it was just like this is hilarious the people yeah. that are playing must be like what yeah but you know but you do need that um, the ch- it's, it's a a two-way energy, you know, and if, if the crowd are egging you on, you're going to give them more back and then they'll get more into it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a good one. So when they're not there, it's hard to perform. Yeah. You don't want to do those ca- on-camera gigs anymore. Although I, now that you've got, got the guitar there, I'm like, go on and sing me a song there. And you're like, fuck yeah. off. I've been, I've been singing to cameras for a year in lockdown. I did a, I did a, I did a, there was a bingo thing up in Johnny Fox's and um I tuned in a few times. They have a bingo social, and I, I used to hop on for three or four songs. It was hilarious, <laughs> and they're all like, "Go on Monday, do call my girl again." And, <laughs> you know, okay, well, but it was an mixer, you know. To be fair, "Call My Girl" is an epic tune. Yeah, well, it's kept me going for a while, anyway. Yeah, like yeah. he must have been pissed when Ed Sheeran came around and put out his own "Call My Girl." Like, hey, back off, dude. Well, I just, I just didn't understand what it. I didn't understand why he wrote a song with the same title, mm. a different song with the same title, because that must be confusing for him, you know, like, or, you know, when he's collecting his royalties and whatever. <laughs> yeah. know, I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's weird. He could have just another 31 counties he could have picked, but, you know. Yeah. Or a different, you know, title. <laughs> Ross Common Boy. <laughs> Burr Boy. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Bring it back to the hometown. The lad from Burr. <laughs> yeah, it was very strange because I remember when he announced it, I thought he was doing a cover. And I was Yeah, like, that's wow. what I thought too, yeah. I was fucking sure he can do what he wants. He's mm. yeah, hearing, you know. But Seems isn't like it amazing that still him releasing that song with the same title, still your Galway girl lives on like and people will still be singing that in 30 years. Yeah. And that was a, a fl- an absolute fluke. Me and Sharon Shannon were on Separately on uh, Tom Dunn's, uh, remember when he had Pet Sounds? Mm-hmm. FM, he was broadcasting from Roisin Dove in Galway. And I was being interviewed about my album, Raining Down Arrows. He, uh, Sharon has been interviewed about an album she'd put out. And they said, would you do a song together? And Sharon doesn't sing. So we, um, and I was listening to Steve Earle a lot at the time. 
and I knew the song, but I I'd never learned it. Like so, mm-hmm. I uh, I learned it in the back of the bar with Sharon, and we played it on the radio, and they just said, "Listen, when you get home tomorrow, that song is going to be a hit. Like it's gone. People are." like texting bananas about this you know and so then I did a a live gig from Vicker Street and uh, we recorded that was she came on for the last song and that was the last song and it was just no plan there was no photo we didn't even do a photo session for that song no. there was no picture of you know us together I'm being Sharon Shannon Galway girl there's nothing <laughs> official about it it's just a complete fluke and uh, and it couldn't have come at a better time actually because it set me up for when I got writer's block after becoming a dad and all that and uh, just kept me going played and I ended up playing the White House on the back of that song you know no way yeah in uh, not, not in Ross Gray now the White House in uh, <laughs> in Washington but who yeah was, who was president at the time um, Barack Obama oh unreal the yeah. best one like yeah yeah exactly so um, and that was another fluke I I did a, I Barrettstown, um, you know, the charity Barrettstown, they decided to have a Barrettstown event in New York and I got asked to do it with the stunning Paddy Casey, uh, Tommy Tiernan, um, a few other, Frank and Walters actually ended up coming in because the stunning and Paddy Casey couldn't do it because their visas didn't arrive on time. Oh, so then I was bumped up to the, be the headline. Oh. I was actually way down on the bill and I, I had hired a band in New York and so Tommy Tiernan was kind of like the headline, but he didn't, he didn't finish tonight because he's a comedian. And uh, I went on last, but Ash were on as well. Um, and there was about, I don't know, 2,000 people or more at the gig. And um, after the gig, I was walking down big, long street in, in, in Manhattan and uh, met this girl at traffic lights. It was me and my fiddle player. And uh, she was a girl from Stillorgan called Ashling Kyo. I didn't know. I never met her before. She said, I was just at the gig and it was uh, fantastic. And uh, if you're ever coming over to America, I'd love to be able to help. I work for a newspaper and I gave her my email and she emailed me and said, my boss wants to know if we play in the White House on St. Patrick's Day. No way. And like, and and this was probably nearly more than a, more than a half a mile from the venue. So we're just standing at a traffic lights. I mean, how weird is that? Yeah. It's right time. Oh my god! And you're, and then you're playing in front of Barack Obama, like yeah, yeah. And I've got my picture and all with him, and it's gas. Of so all presents to meet, he's... yeah, yeah, and he's an awfully man as well. Yes, there you go. Yeah, that's the one thing I, I I didn't get to say to him. I was like, I remember walking away, going, "Oh shit, the awfully thing! I should have said that." <laughs> you're like, yeah. I've been to Obama Plaza loads of times. Yeah, time. yeah. I just, I was actually there recently. I got a selfie with the cardboard version of. <laughs> you're like here's who hasn't got a selfie with that cardboard cut of him and Michelle it's just like when I go into Supermax it's like right okay I have to get a picture I'd say he's like I wish to just burn that place down I'd yeah. say I, all his friends are like hey just been here in uh, whatever it's called where is it Money Gall yeah Money Gall yeah and yeah, then I'm thinking of you yeah, Biden's probably like, what? What am I getting? Like, I yeah, don't yeah. have no. <laughs> oh, there'll be no doubt about it. There'll be a Biden Plaza. Oh yeah, over in Ballina. Are you doing a lot of touring now? Or what's the crack? Yeah, well, so I do stuff on my own. Like, mm-hmm. so I don't need to bring a band all the time. I'll do a duo, and then with the gig in um, McCroom, I'll be bringing a full band. So um, yeah, I just I do 
different versions of myself, I suppose, <laughs> <laughs> according to the budget, you know. So uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty busy now up until the end of the summer, and then uh, I'm hopefully I'm waiting on a US visa. I'm meant to be playing in Kansas City in September for a festival. So uh, all depending on this visa. God, festivals are great. Must be great for musicians because you're like you get to go. Like you get to be busy and you get to see yeah. other rackets and also you get to travel a lot, like get to go to so many great different festivals. Yeah, it's good, it's good as long as it's not hectic, you know. Yeah. Like um Jesus, last time I was I haven't been to Australia in a while, but the last time I was there, Jesus, I got worked hard. Like every day, just like you, you kind of get used to it, but it's um intense, you know. Mm. And when you come home then from something like that, it's very hard to get out of the bed. Mm. You're just exhausted, you know. I was in Dubai recently as well with the with the script and uh, the Coronas, and uh, Jesus, I'm so tired after it because it was just a, it was like six days of foot to the floor intensity. But yeah, uh, it was really good. But it takes it out of you. Yeah, and was um was Mark there when you? Oh, no, he wasn't actually, and I kind of was like, oh, where is he? And, so, and somebody said there was some family thing going on, but uh, it was obviously um. Not well. Himself, yeah. Very sad. I, I only met him once or twice, but a lovely, very talented guy, you know. Mm. Uh, very, very. Just feel very sorry for the band, you know, and the family and all that. Yeah, it's awful. I met him a few times, and like forty six is so young. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, you know, it's it's just heartbreaking. And like, especially like Danny knew him since he was twelve. Like that to me is just yeah, like, yeah. Away from the fame, just someone that you know that long. It's, yeah, it's just like it's like you're. Uh, Soulmates, you know, mm. uh, yeah, but yeah, especially when there's no warning. Yeah, you know, I know that, that was a shock. It's like, as you said, like the Irish music industry, like we have so many amazing, talented people, you know, and but it is even within that, it's kind of a small industry. Yeah, yeah. So like everybody I'm does. Sure, like it's a, it's a, a fraternity of brothers and sisters, you know, um, and you know everybody's. Rooting for everybody underneath it all. You know, there is there is competition there, but you know, I think there's a there's a great bit of support in there as well. I think everybody yeah. was very shocked by that. Like you're, yeah, you're a bit like jealous of some people. Like, oh, geez, I'd love to have Niall Horn's money, but I wouldn't want his fame. So it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're supporting each other, and like, there is like, it's great to see like musicians come together, like yourself and Shan- Sharon that time. That like, yeah, you just come together, and next thing you know, you've got a great song. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's it's uh, listen, there's. I'm doing a gig I'm on the 2nd of July down in Burr. Um, I'm calling it July Fest. Yeah. Uh, but me and Paddy Casey are, are doing it with a bunch of other people. And uh, um, I've known him since I was about 19. And we used to go busking on Grafton Street and stuff. And then we both ended up on Sony and stuff. But yeah, it's like we're we're, we're still uh, still buddies underneath it all. You know what I mean? There's no um, competition there or anything like that. Yeah. He is actually. <laughs> he's like he's gonna hear this and be like, "No competition, you little bastard." Yeah. Of course there is. <laughs> I know, but you know, it's 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 uh, it's great friendship to 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 have this long, you know. Yeah, I haven't heard Paddy sing in ages. Like, um, so that's actually really cool. That he's you know doing a lot of stuff. Oh, he's he's one of the. He can just get a crowd worked up very very well, and he's uh, he's he's got so many great songs as well. Mm. He's. And even if you haven't heard any of his recent music, it's as good as any of the other stuff. You know, it's just yeah. that machine isn't probably the, the big machine isn't probably there. That's that's the big problem, really. It's not the quality of the music. You know, no. I think in fact a lot of people are probably getting better when 
when you don't when the masses don't hear about them you know you can't really get much worse <laughs> you can only improve you know? unless he's putting out like a version of baby shark or something then he's getting yeah, yeah. well he does a very good version of that <laughs> <laughs> Like that's yeah. I like I know musicians must get sick of singing like the big songs that like I'm sure there are times you're like don't ask me to sing Galway Girl I can't be arsed yeah, yeah. do it because you know the crowd love it but it's like I suppose the other side of it is that that song means something to somebody it could have been their first wedding dance or whatever so yeah, you know, yeah. I look at the I, I I had a negative attitude for some of these songs like even July and stuff for you know for a little while but now I just look at them as like part of my arsenal you know. Mm. You kind of go like, okay, the crowd are a bit noisy now, but I haven't done that one, I haven't done that one, I haven't done that one, and I'm going to go. Yeah. You go, Grant, there you go. Job done. Um, so yeah, so you can't have enough of those songs, really. No. Like, I'm sure Bono's mm. sick of singing Sunday Bloody Sunday, but like, you know, we yeah. want to hear a Bono. <laughs> no, I think he probably calls it Sunday Feckin' Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this song. Yeah, yeah. Thirty years of playing oh, it. They they have a lot of great songs. Jesus, they there's great songwriters. You too. Mm-hmm. They say great lyrics. Oh. I know, and but like, isn't it lovely to be in a career still? Like they're still going. Obviously, forty years. You're still doing it after all these years. It's mm. lovely to think that you can still do the job that you love, um, without the massive team, without the huge. Well, the, yeah, well, the, with the huge, I think what happens is. Like, say if you get a couple of songs and they actually stick to the wall and become really popular or whatever, it creates an itch that um, you just want to write another one. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like acceptance, you know. It, it gets, It's quite addictive and um, you're always striving to write a better song. And um, it's not, yeah, I, I want to be remembered as a good songwriter above all, you know what I mean? Everything else is, you know nothing else to do with anything. It's just like, he wrote a really good song. This is, you know, that's, that's kind of pretty cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, nothing to do with uh, what car I drive or anything like that or what you, you know, so like, I listen to Burt Bacharach and I'm floored by so many great songs and can't beat it, you know? Yeah. And isn't it like lovely that, you know, when people say your name, that automatically there's a few songs that no matter if they're a big fan of yours or they only know you from what's played on the radio, they can automatically yeah. go, oh, Monday, oh, yeah, Goba Girl or Jai or whatever. They have a song. In yeah. the like to be known in that sense that you have. No, no, and, I, and, and, and those, it's funny. I I um, I used to live in a place called Marlborough Road in Ranala, mm. a little flat. And uh, I wrote July in this little basement flat. And when I pass by it, uh, pass by it pretty regularly, I go, Jesus. And I wrote Lynchpin and I wrote like 24 Star Hotel was pretty much wrote in this little basement flat. And to think that these little dreams come from a little room, doesn't even matter where it is, uh, into the bigger world. It's, uh, it's, it's a very romantic thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's powerful, you know? Yeah. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter where the, the ideas come from, but uh, it's ha- how how big they become. You know, that's that's what fascinates me. Yeah, I saw Lewis Capaldi's documentary actually last week, and it was uh, he had basically the same thing. He his parents were moving house, so they hmm. he was clearing out the rooms that he wrote. Like, a bit of that actually, yeah, yeah, and he wrote. Um, I think it was like uh, before as. Uh, what was it? Was it Bruises? It was one of the big songs anyway. Yeah. And it was like somebody you love. And he's like, I wrote that right here. And the room is tiny. It's just, yeah, this, yeah. It's, he's turned it into a studio. And he's like, this is where I wrote like four of the biggest songs that I have now. Like, and yeah. it's just this little room. But he's a cool dude, actually. Yeah. 
I love him. But I'm like, isn't that he was like getting sad leaving that house? I'm sure it's the same for you when you see that yeah, yeah. little bit of like I know it wasn't, you know, the the fanciest house or whatever, but it's like this is where big things happen for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should probably be the same with Billie Eilish as well and her brother, isn't it? Yeah. He's writing uh, songs in their bedrooms and then now Yeah. So it doesn't matter where it happens, as long as it happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, people listening now can you have a new song out. So if you're go go and listen to the classics, obviously, but go and listen yeah. to the new music as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, my definitely my new song, uh, underneath Vesuvius. It's uh, I think it's some of my my best songwriting. It's not like a really fast songwriting, but it's uh, definitely if you like um, a good recording and uh, a, you can close your eyes and be be where the song is. It's uh, one of those ones, and uh, yeah, and I've, 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 I'm working on loads of new songs with a friend of mine, Gavin Glass, and I'm hoping to have uh, more music out uh, the rest of the year. Will you give the a little by. teaser there with the, of the new song so they before they go and listen to it on Spotify? <laughs> anyway, get you singing. Um, your nose is stuck inside your book. I cannot move, my pen is stuck. A baby tries to stare me out. Teething, dribbling fingers in his mouth. The cliffs go high, the cliffs go low. Going to Sorrento. Kiss me quick and hold me tight. Then I'll promise not to fight. Then I'll promise not to fight. And we're not talking on the bus. It's just a tiff, it's no great fuss. When we check in, can we make love? Underneath Vesuvius, baby, just the two of us. Underneath Vesuvius, baby, just the two of us. Woo! I know it's only one person clapping, but woo! <laughs> I didn't tune the guitar properly, but anyway. Hey, that's 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 the idea of it. Yeah, I just got my own private Monday concert right there. Yeah. I feel like I'm. It's that Whelan's gig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, that's that's there. It's up. Uh, there's a video, a really really cool video on um, YouTube. That's where videos go, isn't it? That's yeah. where they go these days. Yeah, 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 yeah the yeah. last couple of years. <laughs> Have a look. Well, listen, people, go and look at it um, and go and listen to, to the recorded version of it. Obviously, yeah. you've given people a teaser, so now they can go hear the whole thing. And yeah. you're going to be headlining McCroom in June, McCroom, yeah. the festival down there. Um, that'll be a great gig. I'll yeah, be- with the Riptide Movement and the Frank and Walters. And yeah, it's going to be a great gig. And yeah, Rory Gallagher played there years ago, I believe, as well. Hmm. So it's a kind of a historic festival. And um, yeah, I'll be I'll be here anyway, if anyone's looking for me. And uh, July Fest, when is that? <laughs> yeah, the second, the 2nd of July with Paddy Casey and special guests. So, yeah, so that's going to be uh, that's going to be a hoolie down in Burr. Oh, brilliant. Well, people can go and get tickets for either of those gigs online. And as you say, you're always kind of around doing different gigs. So, yeah, yeah. Check out my uh, Facebook page or my Instagram or Monday.ie, which I don't update too often. <laughs> But uh, it's there. <laughs> go and have a look and see. So go to the social media. Tell me, what I, yeah, tell me what I should, should do to it. We'll get you yeah. on TikTok yet doing dances. Wait, you see. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> oh, listen, it was so nice. I can't believe I've kept some kept you so long. I'm sorry, but I had a lovely um, time talking to you. No problem. It was really nice. Thank you for giving me so much of your time and for singing for me. That's so cool. All right, sound of the pound.
All right, listen, lovely to talk to you and hopefully I'll see you in person soon. All right, nice one. All right, Slon, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that. Great old crack there. Do go and play his uh, new song. See what, see if you like it. Sometimes I'm I'm a devil for it. Sometimes when I know an artist only for like a couple of songs, I, I like I sometimes I just don't even until I go see them live, I don't play some other other songs. And then when I go see them live, I'm like, oh, that's a really good song. Why didn't I listen to this beforehand? So go have a wee listen to some of his other tracks that you might not have known. Or if you're a fan of Mundy, you're like, shut up, Nicola. I know them all. Okay. <laughs> um, we mentioned there that he is going to be headlining the McCroom Music Fest. So. Some of you might not know about this. So it was a festival that ran down in Cork between 1976 and 1982, up till then. Um, As you heard Monty mention, Rory Gallagher played there, um, but then it stopped in 1982. And now the town, which I love about this, this is so Irish, um, they got a new bypass, right, recently. And that meant that traffic was not always going through the town. It gives them a bit of freedom because you can bypass the town, obviously. And now they're bringing people back to the town for the reason that they'd like to come to play music, to sing, to dance, the whole lot. So some of the acts that are going to be there, you heard us talking about the Frank and Walters, the Riptide movement are going to be there on the day. So the tickets are really cheap. They're thirty four fifty with booking fee. Uh, it takes place on Saturday, 24th of June. I'm sure it's a great day out like West Cork. Come on, great crack. Make a weekend out of it. If you're not from Cork, head down, you know, a couple of days beforehand, then go out there and then... Great old spot, great old time. I love West Cork. It's so beautiful. If you have never been, you need to go. This could be this could be your calling card. Uh, it was lovely to chat to Monday though. I can't believe that radio stations didn't hear the appeal of a song like July. It's just so catchy. Considering nowadays it's all about a catchy, you know, chorus. We all see that on TikTok. Um, I actually just can't believe that they didn't get that. But you know, I suppose a different time. I'm just glad that the song was picked up by the fans, and now you know it's. It's an iconic classic at this stage. It was, uh, yeah, it was great to hear all that and like how it was written in a small basement in Ranala. So if you live along that road, it could have been your basement. Yeah, you could be in that room that right now that Mundy wrote those songs in. Unreal. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I really love talking to Mundy and I'd really appreciate it if you could share or uh, give us a rating on Spotify or Apple. Apple, you can leave a review as well. But if you leave us a rating or not on Spotify, um, five star only, darling, of course. Um, and come follow us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Come find us there. Um, TikTok as well. Be really good to follow as well, obviously, on different things. You'll see what the the different, um, see some of the other guests we've had on the podcast so far. So, you know, um, just thinking singer-wise, we've had like Shane Warden, Matt Cardle, um, Idel Lynch from Bewitched. So we had the singer Tommy Fleming, uh, the Nolans. I had Denise Nolan on her own. Um, who else do we have that was a singer? Oh yeah, Mickey Joe Hart and Billy McGuinness from Aslan. So look, loads of Irish singers there and um, some UK ones if your music is your thing. And maybe if you're into other stuff, there's loads of sports stars, TV stars, influencers, Instagrammers, etc. there. So have a little scroll back, please. I would love, 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 love to see that um, you came here for the very first time for Monday and maybe you stuck around and listened to something else. Anyway, that's enough begging off me. Go and enjoy your bank holiday weekend. I hope you have an amazing one. I hope the weather, you know, it's Ireland, so we can't predict anything. But I'd love if the sunshine came out at some point. Please, please, God. Uh, Listen, have an amazing one. And yeah, 
Here's looking forward to Tuesday when we're all hating ourselves all over again. It's long of all. Chat to you soon.